At first glance, Kim Sun-ja appeared to be an ordinary housewife embodying the typical life while living in Seoul's Jung district with her husband and three children. But something much darker lurked just beneath the surface, concealing Sun-ja's secret world of addiction and financial woes. The love she held for gambling and frequent visits to cabarets drained the family's finances quickly, driving her to borrow money from various sources. Her insatiable thirst for wealth intensified, as did her disregard for human life. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found in the description. Today's case is a short one, so I apologize for the length, but it is one that I wanted to make an episode about because it brought to light a debate over mental illness and past traumas. For this case, we are going to South Korea, where Kim Soon-ja, also known as the Poison Lady, strategically targeted individuals in her social circle, including acquaintances, friends, and even family members in the late 1980s. Soon-ja would claim her victims' lives in public places, making her crimes all the more perplexing. Kim Soon-ja was born in 1939 in a poverty-stricken, small, rural village. Some accounts show she was born in the late 1930s, while others show she was born in the early 1940s. I tried to go with the one that I saw the most frequently, so just know there will be inconsistencies in the year she was born. She experienced considerable abuse and trauma growing up as her parents neglected her. Sunja experienced violence from a young age, witnessing her father physically assault her mother numerous times. This turbulent environment had a lasting impact on her, leading to deep emotional scars that would later manifest into violent behavior. By the time she reached adolescence, Sunja struggled with mental health issues and social isolation. She found solace in animals, however, it wasn't as innocent and sweet as you might think. Instead of finding loving comfort in the animals, she developed a disturbing fascination with torturing and killing them. This early sign of cruelty foreshadowed the dark path that Kim would eventually take as an adult. Despite these troubling signs, Sunja appeared to be a typical member of society on the surface. She held various jobs throughout her life and even married twice, giving birth to three children. However, behind closed doors, Sunja's inner demons were unleashed as she embarked on a killing spree that would shock the nation and earn her the infamous title of South Korea's first female serial killer. Kim Sun-ja and her children lived in Shindangdong, 
and relied on her husband's income as a painter. But his modest income was hardly enough to satisfy her expenditures. People who knew Sunja claimed she was addicted to gambling and loved to frequent cabarets. Extras that her husband could not afford. So, she took it upon herself to bridge that financial gap. Kim Sunja killed five people in public places between 1986 and 1988. On October 31, 1986, Sunja invited her 49-year-old friend Kim Kye-won to meet up at a bathhouse. She handed Kye-won a health drink while in the women's locker. Kye-won didn't think much of the friendly gesture. I mean, you can trust your friends, right? But not long after drinking it, her stomach started cramping, and she started having difficulty breathing. Soon after, she collapsed and was brought to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. At this time in Korea, autopsies were seen as taboo. Everyone believed an autopsy was a form of killing the dead once again. As a result, Kim Kye-won's death was a mystery. Police did notice that Kye-won's necklace and ring were missing, but could not find incriminating evidence against any suspects. On April 4, 1987, Kim Sun-ja asked another friend, 50-year-old Jun Sun-ja, to ride a bus with her to Yeongdong-po. Jun Sun-ja was a creditor who also lived in Shindingdong. Sun-ja told her that she was going to meet with someone who would return the borrowed money to her, and she assured her friend that once she received this money, she would repay Jun Sun-ja whatever amount she owed her. As they rode on the bus on their way to the meetup, Kim Sun-ja handed her friend a health drink. Jun Suja happily drank the offered beverage, but then she started complaining that there was something in her drink before collapsing from her seat. She was taken to the hospital and was pronounced dead. On February 10, 1988, Kim Sunja went to another friend of hers, also named Kim Sunja. To whom she owed money, she asked her friend to go to a coffee shop with her, claiming that she was going to meet a debtor there who was going to pay her back a loan. She used the same story. In return, she offered to hand over the 1.20 million won, which is roughly $900, she had borrowed. She agreed to go with her friend, but while they waited, the debtor never showed up. On the way back home, Kim Sunja offered her friend a drink. She took a couple of sips before she started vomiting. Kim Sunja told her friend she should drink some more of it so that she would feel better. However, her friend became suspicious and decided to head home without her. Not long after this incident, Kim Sunja visited her friend's home to ask her how she was feeling, and she even repaid her debt. Instantly, her friend's suspicions about her dissipated. A month later, on March 27th, Kim Sun-ja visited some relatives with her 73-year-old father, Kim Jong-chun, 
While they rode the intercity bus back home, she handed her father a beverage. He collapsed after stating that he had a headache and was taken to the hospital where doctors were unable to save him. Sunja immediately requested to cremate her father, so there was no investigation into his cause of death. On April 29th, Kim Sunja was waiting at the Huayangdong bus station with her younger sister when she offered her a drink. Just like all of her previous victims, Kim Sunja owed her 46-year-old sister money. After drinking it, the younger sister collapsed while on the bus. While the sister was being carried off the bus and taken to the hospital by a passenger, Sunja ran off with her sister's handbag and jewelry. On August 8, 1988, Kim Sunja met with another family member, her cousin. 46-year-old Sun Shiwan lived in Chengshindong and agreed to meet Sunja at a coffee shop in Sungindong. Sunja owed her cousin 434 million won, which is roughly $326,000, for the supposed deposit money for a house she was planning to buy. When they met, she offered Shiwan a beverage, which killed her the same way Everyone else before her had died. Before she collapsed, Shiwan claimed that she felt dizzy. However, after Sun Shiwan mysteriously died, the family agreed to have an autopsy performed. Investigators were already suspicious of how Shiwan died because her lips were blue. It was soon determined that she died of cyanide poisoning. Authorities then conducted autopsies on all of the other previous victims and found out that they had all died the same way. This was evidence enough to arrest Kim Sunja for questioning, but they had to look for more concrete proof to build a case against the suspect. Detectives continued their investigation into Kim Sunja where they discovered that her younger sister also collapsed and died on a bus. They also found out that she owed her sister 10 million won, which is roughly $7,500. Sun Shiwan was the first of all of Sunja's victims to be reported as an accidental death. Everyone else was reported as sick while in the hospital. On September 2nd, Kim Sunja was arrested by the Yongsan District Police on charges of poisoning relatives and creditors. Sunja vehemently denied the accusations, but authorities still conducted a search of her home to find evidence. They found jewelry and cash, which was stolen from the victims inside. One police officer went to the bathroom in Sunja's home where she noticed a crack opening in a pillar of the Japanese-style home. When the officer stuck her finger inside, she found a clump of cyanide about the size of three-quarters of a chestnut, wrapped in some newspaper. According to investigators, Sun Jia had bought the cyanide from a nephew who was working at a chemical company under the pretense of catching pheasants. In addition to all of this, authorities discovered that the day after Sun Shi-won was murdered, 
Sunja deposited a check in an account at the Sadang Dong branch of the CHB Bank. From all of this evidence, Kim Sunja was identified as the culprit. Kim Sunja denied the accusations all throughout the trial, but was still found guilty of the crimes and sentenced to death by the Supreme Court in 1989. On December 30th, 1997, Sunja was executed at the Daejeon prison along with 22 other violent criminals. These were the last executions conducted in South Korea. Kim Sunja, South Korea's first female serial killer, left a lasting legacy that continues to impact society to this day. Her heinous crimes shocked the nation and sparked conversations about mental health, gender roles, and the justice system. Sunja's case raised awareness about the presence of female perpetrators in violent crimes challenging traditional views of women as passive and nurturing. Her actions also prompted a re-evaluation of how society treats individuals with mental health issues. The lack of resources and support for those struggling with mental illness came to light during her trial, leading to calls for improved mental health services in South Korea. Sunja's legacy serves as a cautionary tale about the importance of addressing underlying issues such as trauma, abuse, and neglect before they escalate into acts of violence. So what did you think of today's case? Do you think Kim Sunja's punishment was just? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Also, don't forget to like and follow to keep up with the latest episodes. Thank you for listening and your support. Stay safe, and I will see you for the next episode. Bye!